sick every year when the seasons change. Uh, when we go from fall to winter, especially. I used to deer hunt, and the deer thought I was a grizzly bear sitting in a tree the way I was coughing. But you can't just be sick this year. You can't just catch a cold. You become a leper. So yesterday I had a stuffy nose, and I woke up this morning with a cough and a sore throat and a smidge of a temperature. So I spent my morning getting the most expensive COVID test that you can buy. Oh, that's, I'm bougie like that. <laughs> and uh, so I don't have COVID, praise God for that. I'm just sick. You can still just get sick. Cough and sneeze and got all kinds of stuff coming out of my nose, and it's just that. It's just a cold, and I'll survive, and I'll get over it, but I'm a leper now, even though I don't have the mark on me, and I don't have a positive test. But I wasn't trying to miss my last service here at 47 Dennis Ridge Road after 19 years of preaching in this pulpit. I wasn't trying to miss today. This will not be the first time I have preached in this pulpit while I was ill. So we're going to get through this together. Amen? Thank you for being here. You may be seated in his presence. I'm going to conclude my sermon series this morning. Look there. There, I got proof I was at the hospital this morning. I forgot to snap it off. I'm going to conclude my sermon series that I've been preaching this morning, Ready to Move. This is week six, and we are indeed, I pray, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually ready to move. And today we're going to talk about something almost all of us will experience if we follow God long enough. And that is how to turn a dream into a reality. See, it's great that you dream. God looks for dreamers. God gives dreams to people because he wants to inspire you to be something more than you are presently. But if your dream never turns into anything tangible, what good was the dream? So I'm going to talk to you today about how a dream almost dies and then becomes a reality. This is the story of how Israel was being blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. And then they blew it. You know what always amazes me? How good God can be to us and us just turn around and blow it. I mean, he can just bless us abundantly. Uh, it, I mean, he can give us stuff that we've been praying for for years. And instead of taking advantage of the blessing that he's given us, we just turn around and blow it. That's a story as old as time. Adam and Eve had the greatest relationship anybody has ever had with God. They spent every waking moment in close, personal, intimate relationship with God, and they blew it. They could eat from any tree in the garden. And let's get real and raw here this morning. They only had one job. God said, hey, the two of you that don't have no clothes on, go make babies. And that's all they had to do. And they blew it. They didn't ever have to pray because anytime they wanted to ask God, God was right there. They didn't have to have church. Life was church. And they blew it. So it doesn't matter sometimes how blessed you are. It really doesn't matter how good God is to you. 
Because sometimes you get in the way more than you give yourself credit for. We often blame the devil for stuff that we've got in the way of. And the nature of God is that he is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. When we stray, he stays, thank God. When we are failing and falling, God's constantly picking us back up. However, in order for me to grow spiritually, I have to realize that if I stray, there is a cost for me to pay. In order for me to grow spiritually in God, I have to realize that I can't just look up at God and say, my bad, and expect everything to be made okay. I can't be made whole constantly when I am willfully sinning in God's presence. So this is the story of when God's people were blessed, but they blew it. See, God wants his children to dream about something better than they have right now. I tell you that no matter how good you are, how good you have it, how many blessings you're walking in right now, God always wants you to dream for something more. He's not satisfied with where you are. He's always trying to bring you higher. That's what this move is all about. I, listen, I got all kinds of emotions uh, running through my mind this week. I've, I've got all kinds of feelings. I'm, I, 19 years is a long time in one building. 19 years is, one, is a long time. Most pastors never pastor that group of people uh, that long. It's a long time for me to, I've preached almost 3,000 sermons from this pulpit. I mean, I, I have wore carpet out up here pacing back and forth. Uh, Paul Marino used to say I had a panther, uh, a panther walk <laughs> that I would do when I get anointed. I, I, have, I have preached and preached, and we have seen some miraculous things happen, and we have seen some blessings rain down, and we've seen some tough times. And, and we've fought some devils, and, and we've, had to, we've had to stand up to Jezebel, and we've had to, to, to rebuke the wind and the waves, and we've done all of that. Most of it we've done together, and we've seen people come, and we've seen people go, and we've seen people go on to their eternal reward, and it's been a blessing. And i got all these feelings and emotions going on inside of me this week because there's so much. I've done so much physical work in this building. I've, I've, I've poured a lot of myself into this building. When I came here, this building didn't even have a steeple on it. And we've built, we've built the parsonage and we've built the barn and we've upgraded and we've renewed and we've refreshed and we have uh, remodeled and, and now we're just going to walk away and go into a, a new arena. And the reason we're going to do it is not because we think higher of ourselves than we ought to think, but it's because God's always calling us to something else. God is always calling us to higher things. We should never get so stagnant in our blessing that we miss the next one. We should never get so satisfied with what God has blessed us with that we forget that he is still higher than where we are right now. So Numbers chapter 13 is where I'm going to take my text from. Some of you probably have guessed that already because it's a very famous story, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to begin with verse 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I am, what's that word? Giving. You know when you give something to someone, you don't, they don't have to pay for it. When you give something to someone, it is without charge. So God said, I'm giving this land to the Israelites. Well, that should be a transfer of ownership, and it should be simple. It should be. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. Jump down to verse 17. Moses gave these men... These instructions. I love it when God doesn't let us make it up as we go along. 
he gave them instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Moses said, go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. Oh, be careful, little eye, what you see. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Verse 19, see what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do, they own, do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Because it happened to be in the season of the harvesting of the first grapes. Did you see what I saw with all those seas? Moses said, I want you to go out and use your eyes. I want you to take a, I want you to take a look at what is in front of you. Because I... God wants the dream stuck in their head. God wants them to see something better than what they are walking in right now. God is constantly calling you to be a dreamer. He is constantly calling you to think that you can do something that you don't think you can do. Because he wants them to see the richness of the land that he is giving to them. He's telling them, you don't have to purchase this land. You don't have to go down to the courthouse and bid on this land. I am going to give you this land. And I want you to see up front. You know why? Because he knows that if you can see it, you can have it. He knows that he will never get anything into your life that you don't first see. Because when you see something that God has for you, you will fight every devil in hell and step over every turmoil and persuasive entity that comes against you. You have to see it to believe it. God says, this is what I'm doing for you. This is what I'm giving you. This is your blessing. So Moses goes out and tells them to see what God is talking about and then come back and tell all the rest of the Israelites what they saw so they can see it too. He said, go out there and get your iPhone out and take some selfies with them big old grapes. And then come back and put it on Facebook and show all your friends. Because I don't want just you 12 to see it. I want everybody to see what I'm doing for them. See, that's called being a witness. You wonder why God is blessing you? He ain't blessing you just to get to you. He's blessing you because he wants everybody that's connected to you. Everybody that's looking at you. Everybody that's watching you. He wants to bless them too. But he wants them to see what God can do in somebody's life. He don't just bring you out of an addiction so that you can be saved. He brings you out so you can help bring some other folks out too. He wants to get this dream stuck in people's heads. Why? Now I want you to pay attention. We are talking about Israel's journey out of Egypt and into the promised land. The Bible tells us that they came out of Egypt and up until this point... They have been in the wilderness approximately one year. They are going to spend another 39 years walking in circles because they missed the opportunity of the moment. Now what I'm going to tell you for the rest of the time that I have your attention this morning is that you can't afford to miss too many moments. Listen, listen, God is abundant in grace. He is overflowing in mercy. There is nothing too big for your God. 
But I promise you that if you miss too many moments in your life, you will look back over your life and see with regret what God could have done, what you should have done, what could have been with your life. I don't even know the unfathomable riches that could have been in my life had I not chosen this path instead of that path. I have made some mistakes. Let me testify to you this morning. I have not walked a perfect straight line with God. There have been forks in the road that I chose the wrong direction. And I look back often in my life and said, if I would have just saw it then, the way I see it now, I would have taken a different direction. I would have made a different choice. And how much farther would I be if I would have made a different choice back then? You have to see what God can do. And when, you, when you're looking through the lens of a sinful nature, it is hard to see with spiritual eyes. They spent one year coming out of Egypt through the Red Sea. God blesses them with manna. He brings water out of rocks. They've got the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He has been blessing and blessing and blessing and every enemy that they came to God helped them defeat them even though they had never had a fight in their life. There was no reason for them to be this blessed and yet they blew it. They blew it. They looked what my grandpa used to tell me son don't ever look a gift horse in the mouth. They had the opportunity to continue to walk in blessings, but they missed the opportunity of the moment. See, God wants to give us life and blessing, but he lets you choose your way. I'm going to get deep here. Are you ready for this? He delivers you out of slavery. You were once a slave to sin, the Bible says, and he delivers you from it. And then he doesn't just leave you on your own. He produces for you daily. He provides for you abundantly. He protects for you continually. And he leads you toward the promise of blessing forever. But he does not force you into being blessed. See, he invites you into the pathway of blessing. He doesn't drag you there. I wish I had taken different paths in my walk with him because I see myself in this story sometimes because at the end of the 40 years of wandering, Moses gives them one final message. Pastor Moses is about to die, and he gives them the final words of instructions. These are his dying words. These are the vital instructions of how they are to walk in God's blessing, and they work for you too. See, God invites you to choose life. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 through 20. God says, Moses says, today I have given you the choice. When? T today. Do you realize that that's not, that's not fastened to one day on a calendar? You can't say November 11th because by the time the 12th gets here, today is today. And then the, the next day, that day will be today. So that means that every day, today, I have given you. Every day you live and are invited into is today. And God says every today that I give you, you have been given the choice between life and death. Those you've been with me 19 years know what I'm about to say. Choose life, dummy. How hard is it if somebody is going to give you the choice between death and life for you to choose the one choice that makes sense 
choose life. Do you ever have somebody in your family, especially, or a good friend of yours, and you wish that you could just get into their head and make better choices for them? You got anybody like that in your life that you could just get into their head and stop them from getting into another relationship because she's done text you and said, this is the one, and she's known him 15 minutes? Like you get on Facebook and you see that the relationship status is complicated and you're looking at it and say, it should be null and void. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, like you, you look at their life and you're like, I know exactly what's wrong with you. And if I could get you to understand what drinking is doing to your life, if I could get you to understand what this addiction is doing to your life, if I could get you to understand how your self-importance, uh, your pride is getting in the way. See, if you could just get into their mind, you could help them make better choices. And I wonder... How many times has God thought that about me? How many times has God thought about you? If I could just get into their head and make better choices, they wouldn't be where they are today. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us this. We all like sheep have gone astray. We didn't follow after his way. No, no, no. We went our own way. Because sometime in your walk with God, you have thought you knew better. You can make choices but we often make the wrong ones God wants to show you the future that's why we have things called prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom that's why God has blessed us with so many promises and God can be trusted to fulfill dreams in your life do not take it to the to take me to mean this morning that you shouldn't dream because God if he gives you a dream he will fulfill it he who has begun a good work shall finish it but even more than dreamers, if I read my Bible right, God is looking for another group of people called doers. Because dreaming is great. Doing is even better. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, don't just listen to God's word. You have to do what it says. You know, I, I thought about uh, when I was a young preacher. I, I thought I should just get up and read that scripture every time I got ready to preach. It wouldn't be my text for the sermon. It would just be something good to plant in your spirit before, <coughs> before I got started. Don't just listen to God's word. You have to do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. And then James tells us something that is one of the most direct rebukes in all of scripture. He says, if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You look at yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. See, that's what we do when we come to church, and we take blessings for granted, and we take God for granted, and we hear the word, but we don't do what the word says. But you look carefully, verse 25 says, into the perfect law that sets you free. Okay? So, so when we walk into uh, forgiveness of sins... Bible says if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for what? For what? Doing it, not hearing it. I'm glad you like to come to church. I am glad that even in these days of COVID and people are afraid and hide, uh, hiding in their bunkers and they're afraid to come out, I'm glad that you will come out on Sunday. I'm glad that when uh, you get on Facebook sometimes on Sundays you encourage me. 
and you tell me what a great message it was and how it impacted you, I'm glad you are hearing the word. But I want to inspire you not to just be hearers, but to be doers of what you have heard. I want you to take this word, get it in your spirit, let it turn you around, revolutionize your thinking. I want your eyes to be open. I want your spirit to be full. I want you to not only hear what the word of God says, but to get up every day and say, God, I will let it order my steps and be a lamp under my path. I don't want to do anything except what you told me to do. Can somebody give the word of God a hand clap of praise? I'm glad you're praising because I'm about to drop something on you. You ain't going to like. You are already knowing more than you are doing. I know you know more than you're doing because most of you have been sitting under me for a long time. And one thing I feed you a steady diet of is the word of God. We built this ministry on preaching the word of God. So you already know more than you are doing. I see your Facebook. You know better. There are times I write that. You know better. And then I delete it. Because I know better. There are times I want to straighten you out, wring your neck, tell you off. Not you, but the person beside you. Because you're making me look bad. There are times that I see you flying down the road, and I, tell, I want to tell you, stop you at the next red light and say, take that promise of victory sticker off your car. You driving like a maniac. Take that shirt off when you're out in public cussing people at Walmart. I don't want them to know you're affiliated with us, word, worship, war, and you out there giving somebody a one-finger salute. That is not what God told you to do. We already know more than we're living. We're already knowing more than we're doing. So, so what the Word of God says is not just hear it, practice it, do it, apply it. See, it's good to want to learn. It really is. It, when you first get saved, man, I love young Christians. But can I warn you? Because I've seen a lot of people get saved and then go off the deep end. I mean, they want to go to church every day of the week. They want to go to six or seven Bible studies. They're here for Sunday morning church. And then uh, Sunday night, they're driving clear over to somewhere else to go to church. And, and then Tuesday night, prayer meeting over at this place. And Wednesday night, they're back watching us online. And, and then Friday night service, they're over here with this group. And, 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 and I feel like sometimes God is asking them, you got all this word, and what have you done with what I've taught you so far? Like, it's great to have a hunger to learn, but God wants to know, have you obeyed the bit that he has already told you before you go looking for something else? See, I, 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 and I'm not being selfish when I say this, and I'm certainly not trying to be uh, antagonistic, but if you come to this church, I doubt very seriously you need a whole lot of preaching outside of what you get here. Just because I give you enough to chew on on Sunday to last you all week long. Because if you get what I preach on Sunday... You'll be doing real, real good by next Sunday. See, we got all these people today that want to swim in the deep end of theology. But they haven't mastered the kiddie pool in actions. I, I used to have a saying that, that I was too afraid to say from pulpits. I used to just teach it to my leadership in, in leadership meetings. But now I'm old and cantankerous and don't care anymore. Spiritual information without proper application leads to constipation. 
We got a whole lot of Christian folk that's got all kinds of knowledge. They know the scriptures. They know how you're supposed to give a word out in the church. They know how to speak in tongues. They know how to interpret. They know how to to come through and do Jericho marches and twirl and wave the banners. But they're mean as a junkyard dog. Some of them are promiscuous. Some of them are in seven or eight different relationships all at the same time. They have no, they're unruly. They're unmannerly. And they're anti-everything except going to church and putting their worship on. And going to church and putting your worship on is great, but it ain't the end-all, be-all. James says, don't just hear what God says, do what he says. So keep reading Numbers chapter 13, and you'll come to verse 25, and the Bible says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. They spent 40 days, and what did Moses send them to do? See. Go and see if the land is what God says it is. So after they spent 40 days, they returned. They returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report. Are you ready for the report? The evening news. Here comes the report. He says, we entered the land that you sent us to explore. And it was everything God said it was. It's bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. And here, the Bible says that they had taken down a group of grapes that was so big that it took full, two full-grown men to carry it. And they said, here is the kind of fruit it produces. If we stop right here in this story, we're good. If we stop right here, we're good. Because Moses told them to go see. He gave them instruction. God gave them proper instruction. Their job is done. They have completed the journey. And everything is good. But verse 28 is in the Bible. And the first word there is, but. But. Oh, the land is flowing with milk and honey. But. Oh, everything God said is growing there, grows there. But. You are tired of walking around this mountain for 39 years like I'm tired of walking around this mountain. And that land is great land. But. But there are powerful people living there. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. Jump down to verse 30. Caleb tried to quiet the people. Sounds like some board meetings I've been in. He stood before Moses. Caleb said, let's go take the land at once. Because surely we can conquer it. See, in order for you to be a doer of what God says over you, you have to think you can when others think they can't. If you're going to go along with the crowd, if you're going to go along with the flow, if you're going to accept what everybody else is saying because they say it's impossible and they say it can't be done, you ain't never going to be a doer. Because I'm going to tell you something, I have talked myself out of some blessings. Y'all ain't going to help me, but I have talked myself. My wife gets on me all the time because of my self-talk. Because sometimes I'm bringing cursing on myself instead of blessing on myself. Just the way I'm talking over my life and over my... There have been times in my life, listen, even before I got saved, my wife was talking to me about going to church. And I said, well, that's good for people like Mama. But I can't live that life. 
Because I really felt like that was something that was beyond my scope. I felt like God couldn't bless me that way. So in order for you to do, be a doer, you have to think you can when others don't think they can or think you can. Ten out of the twelve spies came back and said, Everything is good, but the promises of, are real, but there's too many obstacles. There's too many hurdles. But there are too many enemies. The report got in their head. Why did God want Moses to tell them to go see the land? Because he wanted their blessing in their head. And instead of the blessing getting in their head, fear got in their head. Oh, be careful, little eye, what you see. Because instead of them uh, getting a blessing and faith in their head, they saw the giants, they saw the trouble, they saw the obstacles, and fear got in their head. When the report got in their head, let me tell you what happens. Thoughts create actions. Actions create habits. Habits develop your character. And your character creates your destiny. Do the, do the right things long enough, you're going to get right results. Contrary, do the wrong stuff long enough, don't blame God when your life is a dumpster fire. Your decisions determine your destiny. That means your trajectory in life, your pathway, your direction. And here's the problem. God lets you make the decision. I said before you, blessing and cursing, life and death. And I let you decide which one you want. I know I'm not the only person in this room that has made the wrong choice. I know I'm not the only person in this room that's made the wrong choice more than one time. Because of fear. Fear it's in your head because when you see the blessings, they saw the blessings, but what was bigger than the blessings was the obstacles. Threats. Sometimes threats are not even real. Sometimes you imagine them, but they can be big. Fear of the fight. Sometimes you are so tired from your previous battle, you just don't feel like you have the will to fight. I'm going to tell you something. I texted my wife the other day and said, I just don't know if i got any fight left in me. I've been fighting for so long trying to get this building open and I'm physically and emotionally and spiritually, I'm going to testify this morning, I am drained. I am down to the nubbins as my grandma used to say. I don't have a whole lot of energy left and I certainly don't have a whole lot of fight left. So I just have to pick myself up every single day and say God didn't bring me this far to let me die on this side. I've got one more week to make a push. I've got one more moment to catch my blessing. I've got to be able to see my blessing instead of seeing and the obstacles. Some of you need to stop looking at what's against you. Start looking at how big your God is. Quit telling God how big your obstacle is and start telling your obstacle how big your God is. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, keep reading. Verse 31 says, But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. Ain't that something? We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. I love this. This is why I use this translation this morning because of this. They spread this bad report. Oh, be careful, little ears. 
what you hear. They spread this bad report. They spread this bad report. The CDC spread. The local news media spread that your, your, your uncle's, grandpa's, dog setter's, babysitter, uncle's lawyer spread that bad report and you believe everything they say because they was there when it, you ain't going to help me. They spread this bad report. I, I just, listen, I ain't got this in my notes. I just read something last night. A good friend of mine pastors the Gent Church of God. His wife posted this on Facebook last night. So, 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 so there's police officers at Walmart at a local place. And, and, and the, the, the reason the police officers are there because they're having Good Friday sales. And they want to make sure people don't lose their ever-loving mind because you know a TV is worth dying over. And somebody put on Facebook, the, t- the, the cops are here giving uh, fines out if you don't have a mask on. And that thing spread like wildfire. Just boom, 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 boom. It's not a law. They can't do this. Jim Justice this and Jim Justice that. And went down with police officers and defund the cops and blah, 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 blah. And none of it was true. It was made up. And everybody ran with it like it was the truth. Because when you run and tell false reports, people are quicker to believe a lie than they ever are the truth. They were actually there just to make sure that nobody got rowdy. And so the police officer commented, please come and talk to us. We're friendlier than the media would like for, us to, like for you to believe. We would love to tell you exactly why we're here, which is to keep you from losing your mind over a television set. I don't care if you wear a mask at all. I'm not wearing a mask right now when I type this. But somebody typed it. Somebody said it. It must be true because it's on the Internet. But when they gave the false report, do you know how many false reports you might be operating under right now? I, listen, do you, do, you, do you realize just how much junk you have bought into and thought it was gospel? And, and me too. I'm, I'm slow to type stuff. I'm, I'm slow to share things because some people just share it immediately. Boy, that sounds good. Click. Only to have to go back and get the egg off their face later because they realize none of that was true. False reports are everywhere. The internet has made it an everyday occurrence that you come into contact with false reports. You want to hear what their false reports was? Let's keep reading. Verse 32. I'm sorry, verse 31 says, we cannot go up against them. They are stronger than we. How do you know? You ain't fought them yet. Verse 32 So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Didn't you just go there and come? Wait a minute. The land will devour anybody who goes there. But didn't you just spend 40 days there and and now you're here? But if we go, we're going to get devoured? Didn't you go there and get out? But it's going to kill us. And the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And look at this. And that's what they thought too. Oh, now you're a mind reader. Now you know what the enemy thinks about you. We thought we were grasshoppers and they did too. See, in order to be a doer of the word, you're going to have to learn how to rebuke lies with the truth of God. You are going to have to learn how to rebuke lies before lies get into your mind because lies in your mind will become a habit in your life. 
The habit in your life will become your character trait, and your character trait will determine your destiny. See, the majority of, the tr- uh, of, the, the majority of this report was true. But how many of you know that half a truth is still a lie? They said, yeah, the land is, the land is, the land is, the land is, but, which means that the report is kind of true, which means it's all a lie, because they greatly exaggerated the threat. Here's what they said. They said, all the people are huge. All the people, really? Really, there wasn't no babies over there. All the people, all the people were huge. Now, I'm not saying that there can't be a race of people that, that, you know, are, but all the people. You didn't see no toddlers. You didn't see no mamas carrying no babies around. All the people was huge, really, all. We were like grasshoppers. Now, I don't know. I've been preaching this, this, this story for 23 years. And I never thought of it like I thought of it yesterday. When I was putting this together. Have you ever thought about the scale between you and a grasshopper? So I did the math. Say, Bishop did the math. Uh, and you glad because the only person in here could do it would be me and Brother Ryan. Because he's a math whiz. So in order for somebody to be a grasshopper to somebody else, they'd have to be about 150 to 200 feet tall. Are you talking about the truth? Or exaggerating? Are you exaggerating what's going on in your life? They said we were like grasshoppers. Really? All the people over there is 200 feet tall. You're like a grasshopper, like a bug. They can just step on you and squash you. They're that big? I understand how you might have went into some, some large people's houses, but are they really making you look like grasshoppers? So you have to understand that When fear is all you see, it causes you to exaggerate what's against you. They exaggerated their problems and they started spreading lies. And ain't that what happens? Exaggerate problems, start spreading lies. And we usually overestimate the size of the challenge in front of us because we're underestimating the size of the God that stands behind us. And pretty soon everybody's believing lies. The Bible says that the whole camp turned against going in. And God cursed them and said, you're going to spend 40 years, 20-year-old and up will all die in the wilderness because everybody believed the lies. So how do you handle lies that settle in your mind? You have to learn how to rebuke them with truth. God's word becomes my weapon. So I have to settle everything with the word of God. And I'm going to end with this. Numbers... 14, we, we, we close 13 and we move to 14. Numbers 14 says this. And the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. The rose, their voices rose in a great chorus to protest against Moses and Aaron. Just like always, they want to go back. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in this wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. I'm going to leave you with this last thought. In order for you to be a doer of the word, you're going to have to break your addiction to comfort. 
Because sometimes being in the will of God is the most uncomfortable place you will ever find yourself. Because sometimes God will make you do things that you're not comfortable doing. You're going to have to say, I'm sorry. You're going to have to say, I was wrong. You're going to have to learn how to uh, treat those who mistreat you in a way that is godly and not the way your flesh wants to. Because you were not put here to be comfortable. Can I tell you, sir, and can I tell you, miss, you were not put here to be comfortable. You were put here to be purposeful. You were put here not merely to exist, but you were put here to exercise God's calls on this earth. So you have to decide. I tell married people all the time that, are, that sit in my office, and they say, we're about to get divorced. I say, that's the first mistake. You have to shut the door to that D word and decide you're never going back there. Because as long as that's an option, you'll always be looking over your shoulder and Christian I need to tell you you can't go back to Egypt you got to shut the door to your mind and say I ain't got nothing left there to go back to yes my life is uncomfortable sometimes yes I sweat some stuff out sometimes yes sometimes I think I'm about to die and I don't know which end is up but I will not go back I will not go back to Egypt I'm going forward I'm ready to move I'm ready to pack up camp and head out what I learned from this lesson, and I've carried this in my spirit for years, is fear speaks five times louder than faith. They sent 12 spies out. Ten of them gave a false report. Fear speaks five times louder than faith does. So you have to be speaking loud enough to drown out what hell's trying to get you to believe. You have to train your ears. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. You've got to train your ears to hear the small voice of faith in a world screaming lies. God's good to us. And there's been a lot of obstacles in your life. And with God's help, you've overcome them all. You realize that you wouldn't even be where you are right now had it not been for the Lord on your side. One well, of the greatest revelations I ever received from God was even after I got saved that he was looking for me when I wasn't looking for him. That when I was living a life that was not in any way, shape, or form acceptable in his sight, he was still protecting me because he knew one day I'd stand on the stage with a microphone and I'd tell the gospel to people and they would get saved and their lives would be richer because he saw what I didn't see. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe fear. Don't believe that the world is winning. Don't believe that the enemy is triumphant because I promise you, I've read to the end of the book. And child of God, we win. Can you give God a hand clap of praise? I thank you for being here this morning. My final day, your final day, worshiping here at 47 Dennis Ridge Road. This place has been good to us. But we're ready for a new season and we're ready to move. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God bless you. I love you. Stay safe.